Please, Daddy, don't punch me in the face again. Shut up! Hey, everybody, it's the Harlan Highway. What was that? It's Father's Day. That's what that was. We're going to be talking about good old dear old dad and being a dad and the celebrating fathers here on Father's Day. Um, we're also going to do a, a crazy news story. We got a crazy news story um, that kind of deals with a dad, I guess, when you break it all down. Also, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in sweet miracles? Well, I'm going to tell you about a miracle that happened to me. Oh, my God. I, ca I can barely believe this miracle happened to me. Um, you are going to be riveted when I explain this miracle. So we got that coming up. Also, a uh, crazy news story uh, about, a, about a, a dad, which I told you about. And then also, uh, I'm going to do a pissed off segment, man. There's something that's really been pissing me off lately. And I bet you've experienced it too. It has something to do with the news, the media. And then also, we're going to take a phone call from a pavement pounder, and it kind of turns into a whole life-death philosophy of life situation. Kind of gets a little deep. So we got a lot going on here today. Put your helmet on and put your buck teeth in. This is the Harlan Highway! You know my name? It's on the marriage certificate. I've never seen you before in all my life! Hold on to your airbag. You heartless, heartless monsters! All of you, through and through! You're riding down the Harland Highway. Oh, yeah! When you see a fallen star, that means a witch has just died. Clumsy idiot. The Harland Highway. All I want is to hear people say something again and to see people moving again. I'm Floyd Bernie, the rockabilly boy. Don't you understand? You're listening to Harland Williams. I can't be your daughter. I'm a machine. Man, you've been dead a thousand years. Why, George, I think he's got it. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harland Williams. <laughs> What's up, Doc? Mister, if you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose right now. Don't leave me here! Oh, yeah. Here we go. Come on. Yeah, baby. Woo! I believe in miracles, yeah. Since you came along, you sexy barbecue, you sexy barbecue, yeah. How could a barbecue be sexy? Okay, do you believe in miracles? Do you, do you, do you, do you, do you? I think I almost do after what happened just yesterday, okay? So summer is upon us, and it's barbecue season. And, oh, yes, by the way, Barbecue Eddie should be along any day now. Because, uh, you know, Barbecue Eddie shows up during barbecue season. But here's the barbecue miracle. This is just a miracle in general. Almost a perfect miracle. Okay? Yours truly was at Home Depot doing some shopping, and yours truly wandered down the barbecue aisle, and yours truly realized he needed a new barbecue. So yours truly looked at all the barbecues and saw the barbecues, and he saw one that just seemed to be just the right size and the right look and the right color and the right feel. And yours truly went, oh, that's a reasonable price, and it looks good, and uh, okay. And yours truly picked up the big heavy box and almost threw his back out and had to have, uh, you know, spinal surgery so he could enjoy some ribs. Let's see, what do I value more, my back or my ribs? Looks like my ribs. So I shoved the big fat box of barbecue into the uh, into the old, uh, you know, into the back of the truck. And uh, 
I get uh, I get going. I get on my merry way, and uh, I get home, and uh, I get the big box up onto the patio. But this time I played it smart. I cut the box open and I transported the big giant metal pieces, you know, a few pieces at a time so I could enjoy my ribs without throwing out my back. I could throw on my ribs without throwing out my back, if you know what I'm saying. So I get all the pieces up and uh, here's the instruction pamphlet that's in I don't know how many languages. I mean, this thing's in more languages than the Bible, okay? I'm reading German, I'm reading Japanese, I'm reading Arabic. I'm re- I mean, forget Rosetta Stone. You want to learn another language, just pick up a, a barbecue assembly pamphlet. Good Lord, I thought it was at the International House of Pancakes reading the menu. I mean, German and Swahili. Freaking uh, Tibetan. I think there was some Farsi in there. Good Lord. So I find the English, because I'm English. In, in case you haven't noticed, I'm not English, all right? And here's this pamphlet that, first of all, the quality of the paper. I mean, I'm not one, you know, for, for for a stock in paper. You know how there's paper that comes in certain stocks, right? And there's actually qualities of paper. There's grades of paper. Well, this paper, I think the paper they that, that they make these, these little manuals on, these assembly manuals, is probably a grade below hornet nest. Okay, yeah. You ever find a hornet nest up under a rafter and it's got that that weird pulpy papery stuff that they make the nest? I think the, the hornets regurgitate flowers or something and make this big like gray pulpy papery. The paper texture of these manuals is somewhere below that, like somewhere between hornet's nest and public campground toilet paper. Okay. But nonetheless, here I am on my balcony with my, you know, low-grade paper manual, all, all these metal pieces. It looks like you, you ever see those movies, the Transformers movies, and, and one of the giant robots gets blown up and there's just chunks of metal and pieces of metal all strewn all over the desert or all, all in the middle of the street. That's what my barbecue, it's just like chunks of metal all over my balcony. Like big black chunks of metal and grills and wheels. And it literally looks like someone like ran over C-3PO with a bulldozer. Okay. So here I am and I'm looking at this pamphlet on this crappy toilet paper. And you know how it is. They give you all these parts. And then, and then they give them numbers and letters, the Y screws, the 12B7 screws, the, the, the 91248 screws, and the pin, and the spring, and the coil, and the nuts, and the... And so I'm, I'm looking at this, uh, this thing, and, and they've got like 48 pages of diagrams, Okay. And I don't know who they got draw, drawn these diagrams. I don't know if there's a sweatshop in Alaska or in, in Cambodia. I don't know if they've got people with thalidomide arms drawing these things. I don't know if Helen Keller's drawing these things. These are not the these are not well-drawn diagrams. So, okay, a barbecue should not look like a reindeer. Okay? I shouldn't be looking at pictures of a of a metal object and going, boy, isn't that a pretty uh, moose? You know. I mean, these things are are uh, they are not drawn well. They look like a like a a third world country coloring book. Okay. Like I don't know if there was a bunch of like Taiwanese boys in a sweatshop being whipped with a tree branch. Yeah, you draw the you draw the manual, funny boy. Come on, you draw the barbecue. 
<laughs> Come on. You draw the barbecue in a book there on a on a toilet paper. Come on, funny boy. You draw the barbecue. You draw the barbecue on a on a hornet nest. I don't care if you get stung by the hornet. You got a job to do, funny boy. So needless to say, you're you're working with primitive tools to begin with, okay? And they get all the screws sealed in these little packages with the identifying letters and numbers. And the instructions are, I don't know who writes them. I don't know if it's Emperor uh, Kim Jong-un himself. Or they got a, they got a special school for slow children over in the, the, the deepest, darkest regions of China. I mean, the, the grammar, the grammar and the spelling... Uh, you put screw in hole five because you want join spring. You gonna connect grill to wheel go inside upside down the tarantula. You're like, wait, what? What that? What did? What are they saying here? So anyways, you know, you're up against it, okay? You get all these parts that have been shipped in from who knows where. They're probably not even metal. They're probably made of asbestos or some kind of material that's going to give you blood cancer within, you know, four years. Hey, that's the new barbecue. Oh, it was delicious until I got leukemia. Yeah, oh, oh, oh. Are these asbestos burgers? You better believe it. It's my new barbecue. Um, so here I go. I got all the pieces out. I look. It looks like I got a a a C three PO stepped on a landmine somewhere, and I got to put them back together. So I got these wonky directions. I got all these pieces, and I'm thinking, there's no way. This is this is like. This is like I, if Ikea had a bastard, juvenile, delinquent little brother, okay? I mean, it's one thing to put together an Ikea piece of furniture. At least they create, you know, they have a nice presentation. They give you the Allen wrench, and you got the nice little glossy book, and the materials seem to be not from the third world or from outer space. But these these Chinese or wherever they come from, these materials, man. You know, this is this is like this is like gluing together a car wreck. So I got all these pieces. They're all strewn out. So here we go. I start reading, and I'm thinking the, the odds of getting this thing together are one in a trillion. You you never get it right, right? Yeah, you always end up putting something on backwards or upside down or in the wrong hole or never fails. You get halfway through and you go, oh, crap. I put the legs on backwards. Who the hell drew this thing? Right? Or you got something upside down or there's a screw that won't fit or there's a hole that somehow they... they they misaligned the screw hole, or, you know, sometimes it's their fault. Sometimes it's like faulty pre-assembly, unassembly, pre-assembly, or whatever it is. You know, their, their machine was off that day, and, and the screw hole's like two and a half inches away from where it's supposed to be. You're like, wait, what? Someone get me a blacksmith. I need to, I need to, I need to bend this metal. Anybody got a, a forge and an anvil and a hammer I can twist this metal with? What the hell? So here we go. I'm thinking there's no way. I'm already, like, signed off that it's going to be a disaster, that I'm going to mess it up, that uh, I'm going to screw it up. Something's going to go in the wrong hole. Something's going to be backwards. I'm going to have to disassemble it, do it all over again. And here's what, Raj, play that song again, man. Here's where the miracle happened. Please, p play play the miracle. There, yes, thank you. So against all odds, guess who put the Chinese, North Korean, Cambodian, Indonesian, Mexican, 
Planet Mars barbecue together properly. Wow. Can you believe it? I did. And I, I, I almost say a perfect miracle because I got all the hard stuff done, okay? Like, not one mistake. I was like, boom, boom, boom. There's like, you know, there's 90 million parts. And as I'm going along, I'm thinking, am I going to do this? And then I get right to the end and the handle. All I've got to put in is the handle on the grill cover. And I screw it in. And I'm thinking, you know, how hard? It's like a horseshoe shape, right? You stick it onto the holes. You put the screws in through the back of the lid. And boom. So I screw in the handle, which is easy. It only took like two seconds, two screws. And then I look at the diagram and I notice that there's two little like washer kind of holder little things. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember putting those in. And what they are, they're these round like kind of washers. But it's like like a resting post for the for the uh, the handle for the for when, where the handle meets the the grill cover. There are these two little like uh, anchors, and and you stick the handle in these little um, round washers, and then bolt it from the back. And I was like, oh, okay, so they're very very unusual, kind of an odd piece that didn't make sense. But it was one of the last things I had to do. And I was like, oh, so I, I unscrewed the two bolts. Took me two seconds. Put the little washers in. Sunk the handle into the two washers. And boom. I freaking put together this, this nuclear Rubik's Cube barbecue with, without a hitch except for that one thing. So it was almost a perfect miracle. It was almost like the second birth of Christ. But uh, but in this case, it was a an imported third world barbecue. So there you go. Just sharing with you, miracles can happen. Do you believe in miracles? Miracles can happen. Things in life that you think are improbable or impossible can come to fruition can happen and uh i almost did it a hundred percent so there you go happy barbecue season from me to you Ribs and barbecue sauce. Yes! Put some cheese on that burger. Woo! I love the way you grill, baby. Ow! Oh, yes, the miracle. Um, hey, so as you know, last week I was not able to podcast. And I know some of you are like, what the hell is this guy doing? I'm, I'm going to be 100% transparent. And be 100% honest, as I always am with you folks. So I told you I'm working on this new project. And this new project is kind of um, taking over a lot of my time. And I can't tell you what the new project is yet, but man, oh man, am I having fun. I, I'm literally, I don't know if you guys will find it funny when I release it, but I'm literally laughing out loud as I'm sitting on planes I'm walking through airports. I'm 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 just at home. <laughs> the things that are happening with this project are I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm having such a good time with it, and I'm putting most of all my energy in it. And so, it, it's it's a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, you'll see once I get it out there all the work that it is, but it's cutting into my podcasting time, and so. I know we're down to like the last four or five podcasts, but literally it's been so intense that I, I it's been it's been just all consuming. 
and uh, and I do apologize, guys. You know, I, I thought the the final four or five podcasts would just be smooth and we'd sail off into the sunset, but but this new project is part of why I'm ending the podcast too. Because you know, when I started the Harlan Highway, it was fresh, it was new, it was vibrant, it was uncharted territory, the whole world of podcasts. And now this new project that I'm doing, I believe in my mind, is like charting new territory. And I, I think it's something that that people haven't seen before. It's I think it's going to be fresh and new. And, and a couple of the finished episodes I've shown to a very select group of people, some interesting demographic. Um, I've shown it to uh, a couple of comedians. Uh, I've shown it to uh, a couple other people that were just, uh, you know, like like people with regular jobs, teachers. And so I've shown it to about six people. And man, have they laughed out loud, like more than I thought they would laugh. And laughed all the way through from start to finish of uh, on this project. So, so you know, I, I expected a few spot laughs here. Like, oh, uh, that part's funny, that, you know. But they were like buckled over laughing. And I'm just sitting there watching and I'm like, wow. So I I hope if everyone has the reaction, the select people that have seen the beginnings of this new secret project uh, are laughing, then maybe I'm on to something here. But whether uh, whether everyone likes it or not, I got to tell you, I'm loving it. I'm having so much fun with it. I, I, I know I'm teasing you. I'm like, well, what the hell is it, Harland? Well, I just can't tell you yet, but believe me, once once I launch it, you'll you'll be happy. You'll 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 get to see it all. You'll get to see it in its entirety. And uh, just so you know, what's interesting is I'm finding I'm I'm incorporating little pieces of the Harland Highway into this new thing. And only only you fans, only you pavement pounders, when you when you see this new thing. And by the way, it's visual. It's not. It's not. It's not just an audio experience. It's an actual. Th- these will be. These will be clips um, that I shot. Um, you, you'll pick up on some of the Harland Highway isms in the new project. So, so there's my excuse. It's not really an excuse. It's it's fact. And and I do apologize for for not being on time last week. And I'm, I'm hoping th- through the next five or six that we have to go right to the end, I'm, I'm going to be on schedule. But if for any reason I'm not, th- this is the reason why. And uh, and so there you go. And uh, as far as information on when the new project uh, launches and where it launches, I don't have any of that. Now, right now, I'm creating it, I'm building it, and then I'm worrying about the platform after I'm done. So... Uh, it might not, in all honesty, be launched until the new year, uh, so we'll see. But uh, just know that something good and funny is happening, and if you're a fan of the Harlan Highway, I think you're going to like my new project, okay? So thank you for your patience, and, and let's just let's just keep on rolling, man. Hello? Hello? Harlan, bro, all right, I just came across the forces of nature. Uh, special. Uh, it's amazing so far, but I just want to know where the hell can I get that shirt? Hopefully, I'll find the answer on your podcast. Please, check it out. Ah, yes. My stand up comedy special that I did a number of years ago called A Force of Nature. And this is a stand-up comedy special. I'm not sure what platform you saw it on, my friend. But first of all, thank you for the compliment. Um, it's a, it's a stand-up special I, I shot outside during the day in the middle of the desert on a giant hill with no audience. I wanted to do something different and wild and crazy. And, uh, and so that's what I did. And, uh, I'm glad you enjoy it. It, it, it was probably, I think five years ago I did that special. So I'm not sure where you're seeing it, whether you bought it or you downloaded it or you saw it on Netflix or wherever. But um, but in the special, because it was such a special special that I was doing such a, you know, such kind of a weird environment. And, and the theme of the special was kind of about, you know, from cradle to grave. It was kind of about, you know, being born and going through life and dying and... 
And so because I was I was uh, doing this special in such a special spot, I wanted my wardrobe to be special. So I wore jeans and running shoes, and then my shirt was a white T-shirt. And I basically bought a whole bunch of colored Sharpies, and I literally drew over every inch of that white T-shirt. Uh, and and each, each part of the T-shirt tells a story. The, the, uh, the shirt kind of... Um, has pictures of fetuses and and the the skull of death and and the moon and the stars and the earth and the planets and the keyhole to eternity and and the huddled masses and death and destruction and life and everything in between. So it's a very very intricate shirt that I hand drew. It's very colorful. And it's all over the front and on the back and like like, like you said every inch of this shirt uh, has my drawing on it. So it was a one of a kind shirt and I still have it. It sits up in my closet at home and it's a very special shirt because of, of the significance of the special. And it's a very special shirt because of the, the symbolic story that the shirt tells. Um, so unfortunately the shirt is not for sale. And what's going to happen is maybe one day when I die, my my sisters or my family or the garbage man or whoever will come to my house and go through my stuff and find this shirt. And I don't even know if they're going to know what it is or the significance of it or if that I drew it or they're just going to go, what's this old thing and throw it in the garbage? I hope not. But uh, that's that's the that's the weird thing about life, isn't it? We we have all these cherished things, our our houses. Our closets, our our treasure chests are are filled with all these things that have so much meaning and significance to us. Our photographs, our our writings, our journals, our all this stuff. And I'm not trying to be morbid or a Debbie Downer. But what's sad about the journey in life is that when we pass, all this stuff that we we hold so dear to someone else is probably a lot of junk. Like, think about it. You know, pretend you're not you for a second. Pretend you're your sister or your brother or your, your very own boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or husband. Well, maybe not wife or husband, but maybe it's someone that doesn't live with you. But imagine, imagine you're living and you have a heart attack tomorrow and you're dead and four days from now, your brothers and sisters have to go through your belongings and figure out what to do with them. And that seashell from Hawaii that you found when you fell in love with your with your wife. Oh, what's this? A, an old seashell? Well, nobody needs that. That that shirt you bought at the Rolling Stones concert when you were nineteen that you have tucked in the back of your drawer. Oh, who the hell likes the stones anymore? What's this old piece of garbage? Those pictures of you and your best friends from high school on that class reunion trip 40 years later? Who are these fat guys with the gray hair? God, throw these out. The, the poems you wrote when you were depressed and you were, you were trying to figure out life and you wrote these poems that were gut-wrenching and heartfelt and ripped from your very soul to help you cope with with carrying on who the hell what are these fortune cookies what who the hell wrote this crap it's a bunch of scribblings on an old notebook throw this out i mean it's kind of sad isn't it <laughs> it's so sad you gotta laugh about it but that's the journey of life man it's like you have all these keepsakes you have all these these beautiful things, all these treasured memories. And to someone else, it's just like work. God, do I have to clean this guy's? I know he died and I love him, but I was supposed to take my kids to a movie this afternoon. And here I am cleaning out his closet. What, what is this shirt with all these drawings on it? What, what is this Sharpie on here? Who the hell draws on a T-shirt? Throw this out, burn it. All, all your work, all, all, all the things you do, 
It, it is a bit of a downer, but, but that doesn't stop you from doing it. We're human. We're just driven to do it. And I think that's one of the advantages I have of what I do in with my life is, and we all put stuff out there, but but um, with with the stuff I do that's very visual or, or audio themed, one of the things I like about being an artist is that that you can put your stuff out there, stuff that's meaningful to you, and has substance and 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 is a memory of you, and and it can linger. And that's one of the things that I, I find fascinating about the line of work I'm in as an actor, as, as an entertainer. And I think about this when I watch old movies. Like, I'll, I'll watch an old movie, and, and yes, I'll go, oh, my God, there's Marlon Brando. If it wasn't for him being an actor, I'd never know who he was. But it's not just the big star. So I'll be watching a movie, and, and I'll be I'll be like a, see a guy that comes in and has two lines. And I'll think about him or her. I'll go, oh, my God, that who is that guy? Look at his face. If it wasn't for him being in this movie, I wouldn't even know he existed. I don't know who he is. I don't know his name. But, but there's a human being that, for whatever reason, I now know existed. His essence, his image, his voice, his, his, his memory is there for, I guess, eternity or as long as we, we have the ability to watch movies. And I guess that's one of the one of the perks of, of being a public figure or having a job that that resonates with with the masses or or is is like uh, you know entertainment themed is is your it gives your your life a little bit of an extra shelf life whether that's a good thing or a bad thing I don't know but um. But outside of that, man, our stuff's just, you know, unless you become super famous like Jim Morrison or Michael Jackson, it's like, oh, my God, this is the Kleenex that Michael Jackson had the flu in. Look at it. Is that, is that Michael Jackson's mucus? Ah! You know, them people want every damn. Is that Michael Jackson's skin mark in that toilet? I want to buy that toilet. Nobody touch that toilet. I want that skin mark. You know, it's like... <laughs> It's like ridiculous. So uh, you know, look look at all the people that go nuts for uh, for autographs. You know, just just some guy, si- Babe Ruth, signs a baseball. Is you know, he took a pen and wrote on a baseball. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that for a million dollars, please. So there's a real kind of market for it on top of everything else, but. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on this big, uh, you know, meaning of life thing. It's not the meaning of life. It's just some observations about our lives. But uh, anyways, back to the uh, the question. The, the shirt, uh, I thank you for your appreciation of the shirt. And uh, and uh, that's all I can say about it. It's I, I want to keep it. I don't want to sell it because it has too much importance to me. Maybe when I die... If somehow you get access to my house, go out, start start dating my sisters or something. Maybe you can, you know, they'll let you in when I when I pass away. Could all be a ruse. You date my sister just to get at my T-shirt. Hey, uh, that's a weird T-shirt. It's kind of ugly. You girls gonna do anything with it? Oh my God! Look at it. Did he? It's all. Is that a sharpie? It's a. What is that stupid thing? Uh, I don't know, honey. Um. I'll take it off your hands. I mean, you know, maybe I'll use it in my garage as a rag or something, babe. Yeah, okay. That's out. Take it. We, I don't know what to do with that. Okay, thanks. It's mine. Is that what you're saying? It's mine? Yeah, you can have it. Okay, great. And uh, I'm breaking up with you now. Thanks. I got what I wanted. You son of a bitch. <laughs> um, so there you go. There you go. Uh, the magic t-shirt and, and try and find a force of nature, my stand-up comedy special somewhere so that I can live on through eternity. Oh God. Don't piss me off. This is Harland Williams. And you're really pissing me off. Oh, you're starting to piss me off, you little pigless some bitch. You pissed me off. Shut up. You're pissing me off. Ah! 
These fucking assholes, this fuck, these fucking assholes! The fuck is their problem, man? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 here we go. Here we go. He Here's what's pissing me off, okay? This is... This really bothers me, okay? So, uh, in this world of DVRs, you know, where you can record your shows, uh, sometimes you forget or sometimes you don't have the ability to do it. Like, if I want to watch the live news, if I press pause before I shut it off, it will record... Uh, everything I missed. But if I forget to sh- press pause and I just um, turn on the TV and watch the news, it'll start in real time. And so every now and then I get nailed and I don't. I forget to press pause. And so when I go to watch the news, I, it's in real time. So I have to sit through the commercials, okay, which are already a nightmare. Commercials, especially on news channels. If you if you watch CNN or Fox or ESPN. I mean, those most of the commercials are about dying and and methosemilomila poisoning and uh, leukemia and diarrhea pills and cancer and diabetes and sleep apnea and sending in your stool samples. I mean, it is fucking depressing, man. It is really. They should just put a ban on these fucking commercials. You think the news is depressing? You think you're hearing about people being gassed in Syria and and murdered in North Korea and drowned in a boat accident is depressing? Try watching these fucking American-made pharmaceutical commercials. Side effects may cause depression, suicide, beating up your mother, slitting your wrist, bloody stool, shit coming out of your ears... Your fucking face blowing up. I mean, it's like, what the sh... Can you get back to the horrible news about all the people that died in the earthquake, please? So anyways, that's not even the part I'm pissed about. Here, Here's where I'm pissed. Is when you don't have it recorded, you got to watch the news in real time, okay? And... You're thinking, okay, it's dinner time or it's lunch time, and I'm going to prepare a little meal, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to watch the news. It'll be the perfect time to catch up on the stories of the day while I sit here and eat my grilled cheese sandwich and my bowl of soup or my uh, pheasant under glass or my bowl of sludge, whatever I'm in, in the mood for that day, right? And you cook and cook and cook, and the the, the, the news is playing in the background, and you just pull the grilled cheese off the frying pan. You just ladle the soup into your bowl. You just sit down in front of the TV with your hot, freshly cooked meal, and you hear, and we'll be right back after the break. And you're like, wait, what, what, what? You heard me, loser. We'll be right back after the break. And now while you eat your delicious lunch, you're going to watch diarrhea commercials, stool sample commercials, diabetes blood testing commercials, cancer treatment commercials, breast cancer commercials, fucking dog shit. I mean, unbelievable. And as you know, they play these commercials in a big clump now. So think about it. How how long does it take the average person to eat their lunch? How long does it take to gulp down a sandwich and eat a bowl of soup? What would you say? Five minutes, maybe? And even if you're not being a glutton, you know, people can eat fairly fast, you know? Unless you're really like slow rolling it. If you're just if you're just concentrating on eating at a at a normal pace, I mean a sandwich probably takes three, four minutes to eat. Maybe five. A, a bowl of soup doesn't take long. And so what happens is you go to sit down to enjoy the news while you eat your sandwich. It's kind of like a symbiotic relationship. And instead. Right as you sit down to eat, you get you, you hit the commercial break, which is probably four to five minutes long. And it's one nightmarish, disturbing, horrible reminder that we're all going to die a sickly death. Fucking pharmaceutical medical commercial telling us to do this and check our blood and get a stool sample. And oh, my God. 
And so I get, I just get pissed. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? This is not what I want to be watching. I want, I wanted to catch up on the stories of the day while I chewed on my delicious grilled cheese and dipped it in ketchup. I wanted to hear what Trump's been up to. I wanted to hear what, what uh, Nancy Pelosi's been up to. I want to hear what's going on in North Korea. I want to hear what Iran's up to. I want to hear what, what the Russian probe's doing. I want to, you know, I don't want to hear about. Someone pricking their finger to get their diabetes blood count. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be eating a grilled cheese while I I look at fucking Cindy Lauper's psoriasis scabs on her fucking pale white face. Your two colors are coming through. I've got psoriasis and that's why I love you. My true colors are fucking red and pink and I look like a fucking skinned rattlesnake. Fuck. (laughs) Good God, man. I'm just pissed. Can't I watch the fucking news while I'm eating my lunch? And while I'm on the news, I'm, I'm going to dip into one other thing while I'm ranting here about the news. I do not want to see these newscasters, and that's all they are. They sit at a desk and they read the news off a teleprompter and they give a little commentary. You are not celebrities. You are not movie stars. You are not TV stars. You're fucking, you're these idiots that sit there and recite words on a teleprompter. Stop acting like you're these celebrities. Stop having this air of celebrity around you. You're not. You don't have any discernible talent that anyone who can speak or read English could do your job, okay? But above and beyond that, the news thinks it's entertaining or funny or something to take these newscasters and put them in situations that the lay person are in. And what I mean by that is like all of a sudden, here's a couple of newscasters with goggles drilling into wood. And we're going to put Jim and Paul and Sandra outside today, and they're going to learn how to use a power drill. Because they're so high and mighty, they don't know how to do things the rest of us do. And boy, oh boy, if they can do it, anyone can do it. How privileged will we be to watch these talking head buffoons actually drill? Can you believe they know how to drill? And now Sandra's in our kitchen area, and she's going to help make a blackened catfish. Ooh, look, can you believe this high and mighty, holier-than-thou-at-another-level newsreader knows how to cook? Can you believe Jim from Weather knows how to flip a pancake? How is it possible? These people are immortal. These people are godlike. How is it that they can do the everyday common things that us mortals can do? Oh, my God, is that... Is that, uh, is that Paul, is that Paul, the morning news guy doing a few push-ups and doing some crunches? Oh my, how does he do it? He's a newscast. He can't be like the rest of us. How is it that he does the things we do? Oh, fuck off. What is with the, who cares? With, why do I need to see these idiotic news people doing these things? It's, it's nothing, but they're not walking on a tightrope rope over Niagara Falls. They're not bungee jumping over an alligator pit. They're not walking on coals. They're like making a fucking omelet. Okay? They're ironing a shirt. What the hell? Who gives a crap? What, like they don't know how to do this stuff in their own in their own time? It's such a... It's such a miracle. It's such a feat that the, that they know how to do the stuff the rest of us do. I want to watch the news. I don't want to see Ed Chambers unfold a shirt and roll up a sleeping bag this morning live on Channel 7 News. Watch Peggy Smith today as she interviews a dog. Fuck off. So there you go. I'm a little pissed at the, at the news for a myriad of reasons. And there you go. 
Harlan's pissed off news segment. Boom! Drop the hammer. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Conjunction, junction, how's that function? I got three favorite cards that get most of my job done. Conjunction, junction, what's their function? I got and, button, or, they'll get you pretty far. Digging and scratching, losing your shoe and a button or two. He's poor but honest, sad but true. All right, all right, all right. Enough of that. Enough of enough conjunctioning. Uh, that song is so catchy. Remember when you were a kid? Some of you might not remember, but you know I'm, I'm aging myself here. Um, but anyways, um, it's Father's Day. It's Father's Day Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there, okay? Um, it can't be easy being a dad. I am not a dad as of yet. You never know. I still got time, man. Come on. I can still breed. I can still make sexual love and produce a child. I can still be a love maker. I, my loving can produce a child. <laughs> creepy um but happy father's day to my dad who's still with us my dad is up in his 80s can you believe it and he's still good man my dad still like motors around he still uh he still functions well he lives on his own he still has mobility he's still sharp um little little backstory about my dad my dad was a, a lawyer and then he became a, a politician. And then he kind of rose up through the ranks as a politician. He, be, he became uh, a minister. And I don't mean a religious minister. In, uh, in Canada, where I grew up, uh, a minister is kind of like a senator. And so my dad was like, uh, I guess his position was the uh, similar to the uh, attorney general in the United States. My dad became... The Solicitor General is what they call it in uh, in uh, Canada. So he's like the chief lawmaker of, of the land, or in this case, the province. We lived in the province of Ontario. That's where Toronto is, the biggest city in the country. And so my dad was the Solicitor General of Ontario. Very proud of the old man. Uh, and a good man. My dad was a, one of the good ones, man. Very proud of my dad. And, uh, he did a lot of good, helped a lot of people in life. And, uh, he's still motoring along. So dad, if you're listening, I don't think my dad listens to the Harland highway. I don't, to be honest, I don't think my dad knows what a podcast is. I, I could be wrong. If you're listening, dad, I apologize. But I think if my dad had listened to the Harland Highway from day one, he probably would have disowned me from now. He'd be like, uh-uh, no way. That mental case isn't my boy. Uh-uh, I want a DNA test. I want I want to do every Forever 21 and, uh, you know, FamilyHeritage.com and whatever the hell else there is, Ancestry.com. Check the Shroud of Turin for blood samples. I mean, no, no way this nutbag's my kid. <laughs> and it's funny because my dad is so ultra-conservative. My, my dad is very straight-laced. He's very stoic. Doesn't show a lot of emotion. He's not very open with his feelings or his emotions. He's a, he's a great, great guy. Very honorable and, and very God-fearing and a, a, a great, great, great dad, but uh, doesn't open up. He's very kind of walled off, doesn't express a lot, Keep, keeps it uh, close to the chest. 
But despite that, uh, a good, good man. And uh, so happy Father's Day, Johnny. John Williams. Everyone always thinks my dad's the guy who wrote the uh, all the music for Star Wars and Jaws and Close Encounters. Oh, my God. John Williams? That's your father? Oh, my God. How many Oscars has he won for soundtracks? Uh, none. Um, okay. He lives in a gated retirement community in uh, Canada. So happy Father's Day to all you other dads who aren't my dad. Uh, remember to be good to your kids. Just food for thought. If, if you have a son or a daughter, dads, get to know what they like. One of the mistakes my dad made is he, he kind of made our relationship about doing things he liked more than things I liked. And the things I liked that he did try, they just never really, you could tell it was a bit forced. But I would encourage you dads who have a son or a daughter, find out what their interests are. If they like to play video games or they like to go to the movies or they like to go to McDonald's, ask them. Ask them some, what they like, what they really like. And instead of being in charge, go with them to their thing. I would have loved it. if I, When I was a kid, I used to play pinball and go to movies and go to fast food. And my dad never tuned into all of that. And I always wished in life that my dad had just, you know, one day called up the school and said, I've got to take my son out of school, family emergency. And just, uh, you know, I met him outside. I'm like, Dad, what's going on? He goes, shut up, kid. I'm taking you downtown. We're going to play pinball. We're going to go see a movie and we're going to McDonald's. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? I would I would have, like, started crying. I would have I would have I would have worshipped my father even more. Not only because he took me to the things I loved, but because he took the time to understand the things I love. He took the time to connect with me. He took the time to make it about me and him and, and the things that I like and involving sticking himself into my world. So that's a little tip for, for you fathers who think you might be tuned into your kids, who think you're hip, who think you're putting in the, the FaceTime with your kids. I would say if you're not, if you haven't done it, find out what your kids like and surprise them. Go do it with them. Be with them in it. Just you and them. Spend a day or an afternoon together. And, and maybe it's something you do once a month or once a week or a few times a year. Like, believe me, make that connection with your kids. Let let them know that you you appreciate their interests and their world and and immerse yourself at their level. And uh, go on a ride with them. Let them kind of be in their world and you with them instead of you trying to kind of control and be a parent. I think your kid will really love it and appreciate it. So, so for a guy who's not a father, that's my Father's Day tip. And I'm basing it in, um, you know, my, my feelings from when I was a kid. So there you go. All right, a few few serious topics here. Oh, my God, we got off on the whole life and death thing. We got off on fatherly advice. You know what? Why don't we end it, Raj, with something a little silly and stupid? Let's do a crazy news story, and we'll end out today's podcast. Hit it, Raj. Hit, hit the theme song. The Harland Highway. Crazy news story. That's weird. Wow. That's strange stuff. I think you're crazy. All right, here it is. I think this one's a good one, Raj. This this crazy news story kind of plays in a bit to what we were talking about, about life and death and, and, you know. So let's read the headline here, see what we got, which kind of ties in a little bit here. This is a, an interesting headline. Um, where is it? Where is the? Oh, here it is. Indiana man... 88 years old, reportedly dies of a heart attack while scattering his wife's ashes. Oh, my God. That That's first it's sad, and then it's a little bit comical, too. Yikes. I mean, wow, that ain't, that ain't right. Here's the story. An, 80, 80, an 88-year-old man reportedly died of a heart attack as he was scattering his wife's ashes across a lake in Indiana. Ralph Miata fell into Pine Lake at around 11 a.m. 
and reported his cause of death was ruled a heart attack. Good Lord, that's got to suck. And imagine if he if he had a contentious relationship with his wife. What if it wasn't going well and he was kind of glad? He was like over it like 30 years ago and he's like... He's out there scattering the, the, the ashes over the layout. Oh, thank God, Zelda. I've been waiting 30 years to get rid of you. Finally, I'm free. Finally, I'm rid of you, you crotchety old bag. Once I dumped your dirty ashes into a pine lake. Fuck you. And... Splash. I thought I'd see you down here underwater. Welcome back to hell, Henry. A retired doctor who'd been friends with Miata for 30 years told the news outlet he helped Miata get off a boat and onto the dock before turning away. He heard a splash of water as the 88-year-old fell off the dock. It was not a drowning, James Preacher said. He was dead when he hit the water. Yikes. That's, that's, I wonder if he was dead before he hit the water. Because, you know, you, you think if he hit the water, maybe the, the shock of the cold water would restart his heart. It's like, oh, fuck, I'm dying falls he's already dead mid-air his body hits the freezing water and his heart goes whoa and it pops him back to life okay what the hell am i talking about but you know there's something about this that is a little spooky right you wonder you wonder if there's some kind of an occult connection you wonder if the wife the wife willed it. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe their love was so strong. Maybe they have they had one of those Romeo and Juliet loves where it was like, drop me into Pine Lake, Henry, and I shall take you with me into holy eternity. Oh, Henry, Henry, it is I, Zelda. Your, your second half, your better half, your, your significant other. Please, Henry, pour me, pour me like vacuum cleaner silt into Lake <laughs> Dupine Lake, and I shall suck you with me like a vacuum cleaner. God. Says the man's wife reportedly died, and he wanted to leave his wife's remains at Pine Lake. He had completed his mission, what was putting his, which was putting his wife's ashes into the lake, Spreacher said. Good Lord. Yeah, you put his you put her into the lake, all right. You went right in there with her, bro. And it says, according to his obituary, the man was also cremated. Okay, I don't want to be the guy putting Henry's ashes into Pine Lake. You, you see a bit of a trend happening here? It's like, okay, uh, Zelda... Zelda dies, pour the ashes. Henry dies, pour Henry's ashes. I wonder if the whole family can get sucked into Pine Lake. Every time someone dies, someone drowns. It is a little creepy. I mean, what are the odds? What are the odds of of you're digging someone's grave or you're burying something to do with death and then you die in that moment? While you're dealing with death. And now someone's got to go through all his crap and find his love letters and his conch shells and his t-shirts and his pictures and his poetry and his drawings and his mistress. Wait, what? See how I brought it full circle? Brought it right back around. Right back around, Zelda. Um, So there you go, folks. Let's wrap it up right there. Stay happy, be alive, happy Father's Day, and uh, again, apologies for being a little late, but hopefully it's worth it in the long run when you see the new thing that I'm doing, and uh, if you want to have some laughs while you're still alive, while you're still with the living before, before you go to the big pine lake in the sky, 
Come see me this weekend. I'll be in Baltimore. You ever been to Baltimore? Come to Baltimore. I'm a place called Magoogabee's Joke House. Now, that's a good name, Magoogabee's Joke House. You know there's some funny going on there. Uh, I'll be there this weekend, Thursday, June 20th through the 22nd, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Never been to this club, Magoogabee's Joke House. Yeah, come on out to Baltimore and uh, let's have some laughs, you guys. It'll be great. Magoogabee's uh, Joke House, June 20th through 22nd. And then uh, and then get this, I'm off uh, I'm off to Saudi Arabia. I've been asked to do a comedy festival in Saudi Arabia, folks. So uh, I've never been there. Never been to that part of the world, so I will let you know how that goes. And then later in July, my only gig in July will be in Orlando, Florida. Uh, July 26th and 27th, I'll be at the Improv in Orlando, Florida. It's only two nights, Friday, Saturday, July 26th, 27th. And uh, hopefully we'll see you there. And then uh, later in August, I'm hoping to get back to the Burning Man Festival. Oh, boy, we'll see what happens. Um... But meanwhile, gang, uh, thank you for listening. Keep on living. Don't go canoeing in Pine Lake. And until next time, chicken chow mein. Baby, I do believe in miracles. Since you came along, you sexy thing.